This is a fresh agenda, bringing your productivity and creativity together to generate your deepest work. Here is Christina Mendonca. Hi, everyone. This is a fresh agenda where we chat with innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. I'm Christina Mendonca. Welcome to this little spot, my little spot in the digital universe. Glad to have you here for a little while. It is getting hot here in NorCal. I think we're going up to 104 today. Uh, luckily, I'm inside my air-conditioned studio. Uh, and we're also starting to see all the harvest from all the summer crops come in. There's nothing I love more than pulling off to a fruit stand on I-5 and picking up something wonderful. When I lived in Denver, I really missed all of the California produce and was constantly in search of the perfect apricot or avocado. I still am. They're hard to find, at least the apricots. Growers have kind of switched to more profitable crops and most of California's apricots are now dried and sent overseas. I do have a tree in my backyard that produces each May, but the weather this year knocked out all the blossoms, so I think I got five. Ag, of course, is huge in California. Some of the big national issues impact our state ag growers more than others. The whole immigration issue and what's happening on the border right now has farmers very concerned, of course. Most migrant farm workers are coming from south of the border and farmers are having a hard time finding the workers they need. And then there are the ongoing trade issues. Canada and China have already instituted new retaliatory tariffs on U.S. products and California sends a lot of our produce overseas. So it's an issue. It's a huge concern. And then there are the changing habits of consumers. They're demanding sustainable farming practices, more organic products, fewer pesticides. All of this creates a number of issues for farmers. And our guest today is going to talk a little bit about that and also about her leadership style. She is a woman who has been in a male-dominated ag culture for decades now. She mentors other entrepreneurs. She is sharp and funny and inspiring with what she's built for herself. But first, let me tell you about New Age Aerial. In my head, I'm seeing these beautiful drone shots of crops since we're going to talk about ag. But these guys will send their drones up and get you beautiful shots of whatever you need. Beautiful vistas, breathtaking overviews, and an understanding of how things look from above. That's New Age Aerial. From movies to commercial photography and video, the drone team at New Age Aerial can get you the shots you need for a fraction of the cost of hiring a pilot and plane. These guys are experienced flyers too. Government agencies trust them during big crises. They can even set up a drone with guided monitoring from an engineer on the ground and get you exactly the photos and video needed. They are also artists in the sky, getting those unforgettable and scenic shots that open movies and thrill at the beginning of large business presentations. So we are so proud to have them as a sponsor because they are innovators in drone technology and use. New Age Aerial. Check them out online at newageaerial.com. Enter promo code FRESHAGENDA to let them know you heard about them here. All right. My interview today is with a prominent female scientist, entrepreneur, and leader. So often when you meet dynamic people like Pam Marone, you find that they are particularly skilled at either the science part or the art of communication. But Pam has both skills sets on lock. Her company, Marone Bio Innovations, has developed many products, but the one she was most excited about when we talked is something called Regalia. It's made from an extract of knotweed, so something organic, obviously, and farmers have given testimonials to say it actually increased production while keeping pests away. She says, like the pharma companies have gone into the rainforest to find new medicine, her team does the same to find plant extracts or microorganisms that fight pests and increase production. Farmers can spray this in the morning 
morning and be back in the field in the afternoon because the products are safe for humans while discouraging pests. And like many entrepreneurs, she set out to solve a problem. She wanted to see farmers use bio-friendly pesticides, but she also loves to mentor entrepreneurs. She's turned her attention to developing entrepreneurs and startups and using what she's learned and her experience to help others. Like many entrepreneurs I've met, she's also got a ton of energy. So we'll talk about business, creativity, leadership, and her path to success. Pam joins me right now. And Pam, thank you so much for taking the time today to talk to us. Great to be here. So tell me a little bit about your background. I I talked about your company a little bit and and your history here in the Sacramento area. Tell me about how you got interested in, well, how did you get interested in bugs? Well, I was a a, a weird little kid. I've been interested in bugs since I was about seven or eight years old. So this was a lifetime of passion of mine. And then to learn how to control them sustainably without the use of uh, toxic chemicals. So when, what, um, when you went to school and, and you did your studies and finished your PhD, were you already in business by then? I wasn't already in business, but I certainly was thinking about how I was going to get into business. And I, I felt that I needed to work for a big company and learn the ropes in, in the industry first before I went on, out on my own. So that's what I did. When was that uh, point in which you made the decision? Because it's very difficult to leave, you know, a paycheck every month and a place where you're you're valued and that you're comfortable. When did you make that decision that I need to be out on my own? When it took one year from the time I pr- presented an idea to the time I got action on that idea in a big company. And that is an eternity. So when you want to solve big problems in, in farming and in the world, and you have to wait that long, I said, the only way I'm going to be able to do this is to do it myself and to have a level of speed and get out there and make change. What were some of your first steps? I mean, you you open up, um, did you immediately have office space, immediately have staff? I mean, what did it take to launch? Well, you know, this is interesting because uh, I'm old enough that it was pre-internet, so there was the resources just weren't there. So believe it or not, we had a hard copy book of the National Venture Capital Association Directory of Venture Capitalists. So I would go through page by page looking for particular investors, and I cold call them, believe it or not. And cold calling those investors actually led to my first round of financing. So it certainly worked. Uh, But also um, in the Bay Area, uh, some of the big law firms like Wilson Sonsini at the time, and many still do, had boot camp for entrepreneurs. And I said, well, I got to learn fast how to do this thing. (laughs) And what is company valuation? How do you how do you uh, offer investors stock the whole thing? And I took this boot camp and uh, learned it quickly and then found out that I had a particular skill in being able to communicate the, the vision of the business and really liked uh, fundraising and, uh, and immediately raised, well, used my own money and then uh, got friends and family and other people we knew who were interested in putting money in. So we did, um, fairly quickly, we did uh, $5,000 blocks of stock from our friends and family and relatives to put into the company to get off the ground. What do you attribute your persuasiveness to? Is it just the passion that you had for uh, the problem that you wanted to solve, or were you always a pretty persuasive person? I don't know if I was always a pretty persuasive person, but maybe I was because I remember working in Cornell Dining as a work-study student for minimum wage, and my shift supervisor told me I had leadership potential. And I think I was a freshman or a sophomore in college. So apparently so. Other people saw that. Anyway, so, um, so I, uh, 
yes, the passion and, and the vision, investors invest in that. But also, I have to, you have to show them a way. It's not just all about vision and passion. Otherwise, you don't have a business. So I made it, because I have a PhD, which is kind of a noose around my neck and I don't have an MBA, I've had to try harder to really uh, focus on, on delivering the message of financial financials, what's the, what's the financial part of the business and how investors are going to make money and what's the market size and, and the metrics and analytics that investors like. So I've spent a lot of time making sure that I could communicate that as well. You said you started this business uh, before uh, the internet was really big. Did you find it a difficult space being a woman in, in a world of agriculture where many of the agriculture leaders are men? Yeah, I'm an, a, a rare woman um, in, in of startup a company and of a public company and and uh, in in an all male business and uh, I just never really gave it a thought. Um, it's not something I really focused on. But what I basically learned is that if you're strong and you're a woman, someone will call you out on it all the time and they'll say, "Oh, you're so strong." And when they do that, it's a way to make you weaker and for you to stop. Um, and step back, and it's a really good way for someone to manipulate yourself, manipulate you, and because you go, I mean, male CEOs, male entrepreneurs are, are strong, and so you have to make sure you're not, you know, offensively strong. But if you're just strong like anybody else, you have to realize that a lot of times people use that to get what they want. Because if you stop being strong and, and communicating what you want, then uh, you might make the, the wrong decision. And when I've stepped back and I look back at all the times where someone would say, "Oh, you're so strong. I want this. You're." I don't agree with what you want. And then I realized that I compromised and made the wrong decision. And so I tell young women today is, you know, um, really learn earlier than I did. I mean, it took me many years before I finally learned that to not apologize for being strong. Who do you like working with the most? You said you do work with young entrepreneurs uh, and, and people who are, who are doing startups at various ages. Who do you really like to work with? I do like to work with startups. I, I love coaching uh, women entrepreneurs, but a more, I really actually like working with our customers best. I've, talking to growers, farmers, um, is the best way to learn about your business. So it's a lesson for an entrepreneur. If you want to learn about how to build your business, talk to your customers all the time, constantly, because they have the best ideas for you. What are some of the challenges that growers are having these days? Well, we have there's constant regulatory pressure on things that they're doing. And in our particular world, pesticides, is there's a lot of regulatory pressure on pesticides globally. And so if you're a California farmer, walnut farmer, and you're shipping to Japan or Europe, for example, you have to worry about the, the pesticide residues, the rules that, are, that they're imposing on you as a farmer. So there's always something um, today. Now we're having worries about trade wars and whether you are actually going to be able to export your crop at the end of the day. So. Are you hearing a lot from growers about that? They're talking to you about the, the concern of a trade war? Immigration and trade are two big issues for farmers all across the globe and particularly here right now because um, if you can't get enough labor, you can't harvest your crop. You can't do your, the things you need to do in your crop. And labor is really tight right now. And number two, um, you want to know that you have stable market for your crop and you're going to be able to sell it. Yeah. One of the other big issues in California this year is cannabis. 
And I happen to know that cannabis, uh, I've been doing these educational documentaries, I told you, on cannabis and cannabis growers, and it's a big issue. Pesticide is a huge issue for them, and especially the end user may use the cream or you know, may use it recreationally or medicinally. Um, how are you helping cannabis growers? Yeah, cannabis growers beat a path to our door um, and really asked for our products because they wanted something to control powdery mildews and also mites and other bugs that uh, that go on cannabis. And yes, because cannabis is a product that's consumed and pesticides can actually get magnified depending on, on the process for uh, extracting the product, it, it's, uh, we're, we're happy to help the growers uh, reduce that and elim- well, eliminate toxic pesticides from and, and use our types of products, which uh, are not going to be harmful. Tell me, what, what's the difference, for someone who's not um, um, knowledgeable about such things, what is the difference between using one of your pesticides and going organic? Our products are listed for organic. So when they use our products, they can be um, organically listed. But there's a, the, the organic rules are national rules set by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And also California um, has, uh, it has a certification system, California Certified Organic Farmers, Farmers CCOF. So um, there's, there's a set of rules, and if you follow those rules, you can be a, a certified organic grower, but our products are all listed. So when, when a grower does use ours, then uh, it, they can be called organic. So where do you want to take your company next? I mean, you have, you have products now. Are you constantly doing new R&D to try to come up with additional products? So what are some of the big problems you're trying to solve? Uh, one of the big problems we're trying to solve right now is, is weed control. And organic farmers, number one, uh, have really expensive ways to control weeds because they can't use all the, all the chemical herbicides that conventional growers can. So that, whenever I go out, out and talk to growers, whether or, or even a chemical dealer, I'll ask them, you know, what's the number one unmet need? And they'll say organic weed control. So we are working on that. Also, uh, weeds for con- conventional growers who do use chemicals, weeds have developed resistance, especially to glyphosate, which is Roundup. So we're working on a solution to control weeds that are resistant to uh, herbicides like glyphosate. So that's a big, big need. Yeah. So many people are concerned about what they put into their bodies these days in terms of you know, making sure it's organic or at least safe. Um, and, and do you deal mainly with food and consumables? Yes. So most of so all most of our products go into uh, into product, food that's con, con, uh, consumed. So it'd be would be fruits, vegetables, you know, lettuces, uh, grapes, and so forth. So uh, yes, consumers don't want a lot of toxic residues on the on on those crops. So our products can be used right up to harvest, and they don't leave residues. Millennials, young people, are really wanting transparency in their food, and they're certainly. Um, gravitating more towards organic. And organic, you don't use synthetic chemicals in organic, um, but you can use our types of products. Let's talk a little bit about um, your leadership style. I mean, are you, what kind, what kind of leader are you? What would your staff say about your leadership style? You know, that's a good question. Um, I, should, I should ask them on a regular basis. I, I do, actually, but I uh, haven't done it lately. But uh, <laughs> um, I would say they would say I'm a strong visionary leader um, that who wants input and is collaborative with them and uh, works and is very team focused with the leadership team. I'd say that that's what they would say. And where um, you look at your company now, I mean, are you always thinking five years ahead, 10 years ahead? I'd say I'm really looking um, because we're a public company. 
Um, and unfortunately, that, that means that we are quarter to quarter. I don't like to look quarter to quarter because in agriculture, quarters are lumpy. But I do look one year ahead and then three years ahead. And what we're focused on is growth and also getting to profitability. So increasing our profitability, our gross margins, as well as continuing to grow our revenue so we um, are, are, get to be su sustainable business. We've relied on investor money, and we've been successfully doing that. But at some point in the near future, you know, we need to get to profitability. Do you feel like you're able to spend your days doing, uh, putting your hands on every aspect of the business, or are there certain things that you're kind of just now in your position you have to focus on? Well, uh, you know, I've no, and that's one of the things. As you get larger in scale, the entrepreneur or the founder can't put their hands on everything. But right now, yeah, I do, I do move around the company's functions uh, and problem solve. Right now, um, I am helping the commercial side with building awareness and education about biologicals uh, for pest management and plant health. Because what our surveys show is that a lot of growers still don't even know about the category. And so there's a lot of education. So I'm doing a lot of grower work, a lot of customer work. Um, that's, that's where I'm focusing right now. Now, in the past, I've spent most of my time with investors. But right now, we're not raising any money. So um, I have more time to really focus where I, where I need to be, and that's with customers. You went to Cornell um, and uh, obviously got your PhD, did a lot of studying. Studying is, is your thing, uh, and you do that still with your business. But what do you do to relax? I mean, you have to be creative as a leader, and that creativity needs to be uh, replenished somehow. Relax. Well, you know, that's most people would say probably don't. She doesn't probably do. Does she ever sleep? You know, I hear that a lot. Yes, I do sleep. Now, I, I really like to garden. Um, that's my number one passion. My mother was a master gardener and knows the scientific name of every plant in the universe. Even at age 92, she's still gardening. And uh, so that's one of my passions. And I do both vegetable and flowers. I like both. And, and also, um, I like to bake. Yeah, so I have a recipe collection, and I'm always trying new recipes. This past weekend, I did a blueberry, blackberry, apricot tart, and it was really good. That sounds great. Did you grow those, or at least some of them? I did grow some of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So um, what, what do you see in the future? I mean, you are um, certainly like right in the middle of your career, not going to be retiring anytime soon, but um, where do you see, you see growing this company and eventually leaving, starting another company, or are you just kind of keeping your options open? You know, I don't know if I have one more startup in me. I've already done three, and so, you know, that's, it's, it's tough starting up. Maybe uh, I'd like to stay with this one until uh, we can get it to where it's Really, really. I mean, we're successful, but but we're, as I said, uh, much larger and and profitable. I, my goal would be to be the largest biologicals company, and I think that we can do that. This uh, podcast is all about innovators, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and, and people listen. I always try to, um, in the people that I interview, uh, draw out something of that is useful in our own lives. I mean, we're not going to maybe go into bio-pesticides, but uh, tell me something about running a company or, or living a passion or living a dream, something that you use as a mantra or teach other entrepreneurs. I think the number one thing is that, um, is uh, to follow your passion, but also stay true to your values. And that's really important in both life and entrepreneurship. And when you're associating with people or raising money, taking money from investors, um, you know, money's not just money. And, and there's, there's different kinds of people who f fit with you or don't. And it's really important to take the time 
to understand yourself and the values and what motivates you, and then to associate people who are aligned because the worst thing you can do when you're an entrepreneur is have a team that's not aligned. Very good. Very, very good. Excellent advice. Um, so we talked a little bit about the entrepreneurial mindset that's taken to um, to get these companies, various companies off the ground. Tell me about a time where you had a setback and how you worked through it. Yeah, we've had a number of setbacks in the company. It's, and, it, and some of it is just, you know, building a business is tough. And how do you get a product out the door? How do you get it made, packaged, and all these things? But the, um, you know, the biggest one I had at AgriQuest was where um, I was taking the company public. I filed for the offering to list on NASDAQ um, August 3rd, 2001. So it's right before 9-11 event. And uh, so, you know, how... Once it, that happened and the markets closed and I couldn't get the offering done, I said, okay, how am I going to keep this company alive? And so what I did was to clear my head was I went out and I, I went all around the world. So I actually went to Chile and a number of places in the U.S. and abroad and I listened to my customers and I listened to growers. And again, that was the best way to clear my head because it's just so clear to hear uh, you know, some, someone, um, your, your customer, talking about what they need and all the ideas that they have and how um, they can give you advice about, about things. And one of my customers told me to go um, listen to Steve Jobs' graduation speech when he got thrown out of Apple um, as consolation. And, and that, was a, that was a great bit of advice because that's a very inspirational uh, speech about how you just pick yourself up and keep going. And so um, after um, that happened, I needed to raise more money. Um, I, we, we ended up, I, my focus was not on me and, and, and not on me making money for the business, but I ended up accepting terms that weren't great for me when the company was later sold, but I got the company to where it was able to survive and be recognized as a, a success, and the product that we developed became a global brand. So um, in that case, um, uh, you know, getting advice from my customers and then um, maybe accepting terms that weren't going to be, again, putting myself aside, but really focusing on what was going to be best for the business. That is so much like a scientist to learn more from the failures then, or maybe not failures, but setbacks. I mean, you do that in the lab and, and you do do that in life. Yes, and I think that, uh, you know, as I said, having a PhD has been a noose around my neck sometimes because um, then someone might think that you're too technical and not really a business person. And believe me, a lot of scientists couldn't run a business, but, but uh, in my case, uh, I obviously could. But so, so that having that analytical capability is really important because there's many, many times where I've needed to fall back on making a decision about what product to move forward, about what market to be in or whatever, and having the, the data scientists and having data rule rather than emotion, has really served us well. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. That was a fantastic interview. Uh, thank you very much. A lot of fun to chat with Pam Marone of Marone Bio Innovations, just a fantastic example of one of NorCal's amazing entrepreneurs and leaders. You can find out more about her and her company at maronebioinnovations.com. 
So let me tell you about a couple of upcoming guests we have here on A Fresh Agenda. This week, I'll be interviewing a guy named Angelo Garcia. He has such a cool job. He works for George Lucas, the filmmaker, and he travels around the world looking for movie sets. We're going to chat with him about what he looks for, how he keeps himself in that creative mindset, what it's like to work for one of the world's leading film and entertainment companies, and what movies he's worked on that we've all seen. I'm also going to be talking to a woman from the Last Mile organization. Beverly Parenti runs TLM, and the focus is to provide education and training inside prison, resulting in gainful employment for graduates, thereby reducing recidivism. The Last Mile has become one of the most requested prison education programs in the United States. It is the first program to offer a computer programming curriculum, which is very interesting because tech is one of the areas that is most lost when you are segregated from society, right? We all know how fast tech moves, and to be in prison for 10 to 15 years where you have no access to those changes is one of the most challenging things about reintegrating after release. So I can't wait to interview her and share her experiences with you. But before I let you go, I want to tell you about New Age Designs. They are web design, development with a purpose, ambition, and analytics. If you need digital marketing, you need SEO, SEM, Google Analytics set up, they can do that. They'll get you all set up with web hosting and they know all the key technologies. New Age Design staff has spent decades managing various UX and web marketing projects for large corporations, giving them the opportunity to work with the most talented digital agencies in the world. They certainly can help you. Check them out at newagedesigns.com. When you reach out, use the code FRESHAGENDA. They'll take great care of your problem. And thank you so much for being here. Reach out anytime through my website, christinamendonza.com. Uh, you can also hit me up on my socials as well if you have an idea for a great guest. Having a lot of fun with these interviews. I'd love to hear from you and hear who's listening out there. Thanks for being here. Let's stay connected. This is a fresh agenda, bringing your productivity and creativity together to generate your deepest work.